Hey, everyone. Welcome to Messy in the Middle, a real estate podcast. We're two realtors from two different coasts looking to improve and grow. Whether you're a buyer, a seller, or an agent, we'll share the tips, tricks, and hidden hacks for success in the real estate world. Your journey from ideas to implementation starts now. Hey, Boom. Ed. Hey, good morning, Jeffy. How are you doing? Woo. We got Royce in the house. Royce is in the house. We've got everybody. We've got Royce Branding with us. But before we do our intro, uh, we're going to review a little story on why we need him so badly. So if you listened to last week's uh, episode on eliminating digital distractions, you know, I'm coming off as this guy who's got it all together. Like, you know, I'm clean, don't need anybody's help. We're moving (laughs) forward. So last night, uh, Lynn, my wife's watching a football game. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go get a little reading done. And so I you know, get in bed to do some reading. And I had my phone there. And I'd had, I had had YouTube up. I was, Jeff and I were working on a project on some stuff. And I started, started scrolling. And I remember Jeffy was talking about the Muppets and how she really <laughs> likes the Muppets. So before I know it, I type in the Muppets into YouTube. And proceed... <laughs> To go on the deepest Muppet dive with the Swedish chef doing Rapper's Delight, which I watched about 10 times. Um, Naturally. Got, yeah, got some uh, classic content with, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Muppet stuff, Rita Moreno doing something from the 70s. I'm like going deep, deep into this stuff. Then, uh, then it's like a Michael Jackson thing comes up with Laurel and Hardy. And I start getting into, like, what is wow, this? Wow, you really got deep. Well, then Lynn comes to bed, and she's like, are you actually watching The Muppets? I'm like, oh, you, I'm like, you, you got to see this. This is crazy. So then she's like, is Jim Henson dead? I'm like, yeah, I think he's dead. So she's, she Googles Jim Henson. It's like, oh, yeah, he died from a, from a, strep, a strep infection. Um, but she goes a little deeper. It's like, oh, my gosh. He, his son is married to the love interest in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No. Yes. And she so, was okay. Hot. Yeah, she was hot, still is. And, and, and so then I'm like, oh my God, another hour wasted. This uh-huh. is exactly what we're not supposed to be doing. And what a great lead in for Royce. Yes. Royce, yes. save us. Save us. Save us. I'm just going to. I'm just going to take that clip and and put it everywhere and be like, this happens to you, we stop yes. it from happening. That's going to be it. That's yes. the ad. I love that. So let's introduce Royce. This is Royce Branning from Clear Space. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of fun digging into you, but I love this. Your company promotes healthier and more sustainable engagement between humans and their technological devices. I loved that. That's right. It's kind of a mouthful yeah. for me, but I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was well, that was well said. I I through the process of of ClearSpace, we've we've worn a lot of different hats with describing our product to people. That might be yeah. one of the more verbose ones. Was that the most okay. recent one that I that I that I explained it to you as? Because I apologize. <laughs> no, no, I was digging deep. Like I, you know, we have this producer. Uh, you know, his name's Seth. We love him. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he was working with us on was interviews because a lot of times we don't have somebody we're interviewing. Yeah. It's just it's just Ed and I. So I went down the rabbit hole of discovering you and your <laughs> yeah, company. Yeah, we dug and deep, we baby. Had oh, fun. No. oh no, we, we know where but, the bodies okay. are buried. 
Why don't you tell us how you would describe your company then if I gave it like a full mouthful? I think the language you use is accurate and I think helpful in certain extents, but maybe the most accessible language we have right now is that ClearSpace is a mobile app that makes your phone less addicting. We, We all know that these devices have mechanisms built into them that can pull us in. And ClearSpace is the software that's helping disarm those mechanisms. I think you guys were using some war analogies in the last episode. There is a war for your attention. And we're bringing, uh, we're, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight and we're kind of arming you with at least equitable defense mechanisms. I, I love it. I love that. Yeah. There was yeah. another thing that you said, and you said the 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 gym sauna is one of the last remaining places that you can go without your scroll. <laughs> oh, no. No. Okay, you guys did you guys did that deep dive. I was hoping I could prevent this by blocking the scrolling. Um, yes, I, I I have been known to say that. I, I I realized that in the gym sauna um, yeah. the other week, where you're just sitting around. There's a group of people that also aren't right. looking at their phones, but aren't really interested in talking, which I think right. really ma- magnifies <laughs> the experience of us not being on our phones. Yeah. Kind of in yeah. like an elevator. When you're in an elevator yeah. and everybody, I'm normally the one that breaks the ice in the elevator though. I'm like, hey, how's everybody doing today? <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that in the sauna next time. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Yeah, yeah how are we all doing? <laughs> so, so Hope hey, you got I- your towel on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, in a part of our research, I want to hear. We want to hear a little bit more about your founding of the company. And from our understanding, you were getting married and announced Mm. to your fiance, "Hey, I'm quitting my job at Quicken, yeah, and I'm starting a company." Tell us about that. Yeah, so the the kind of initial leap off was just as you said, it was a couple months after we got engaged. And you know, I'd been at kind of the stable, mid-sized big tech job, pretty, pretty decent hours, uh, not not too overstressful, good salary, the whole nine. And I had kind of been been feeling this this new kind of emergent pull in my life to build software that helps me kind of fix some of the problems that I was experiencing. And the top of that list was how frequently I was finding myself on my phone. Built an early prototype. This is a couple months before I would end up finding my co-founder, Oliver, who serendipitously was kind of in the same phase of life, building these types of solutions as well. But before we got there, yeah, I basically told my wife one day, I go, I think I should probably go leave to work on this full-time. It seems like the type of problem that deserves our, our full attention. Like I think people really need this. And yeah. there, at that point, there was a really early version of the app that people had started using. It was just, I just put it out on the app store and random people were downloading. They were, they were going looking for apps that could help them spend less time on their phones and yeah. they were using it. And then they were reaching out and really impactful stuff. Like people, I remember one of the first re- emails I ever got from a user was someone telling me that ClearSpace is one of the things he's crediting with helping him pair pieces like relationship with his wife back together. And I was like, oh, Whoa. okay. Hair's all, hair's all is, my arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was kind of this, this thing that happened where I realized that the problem that was a hair on fire problem for me was actually experienced at a magnitude large enough that putting a small little app out there that just, just slightly improves people's ability to restrain themselves Mm-hmm. was starting to have ripple effects. And so that's when we took the leap. And she was a little nervous at first, but overall, 
my wife has been so supportive of the journey and you know couldn't do any of it without her so lots of credit oh. goes there a little nervous. I want to hear a bit, a bit more about that. I mean, was it like, hey, <laughs> so Love I'm you, leaving babe. my job. <laughs> Silence. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what if we did that after the wedding? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. It was a fun. It was a fun conversation. We'll say, but it was. I think at the, at the bottom of it, I I had been able to pick up contracting work and consulting work and the fortunate thing about being a software engineer in Silicon Valley is with how ubiquitous technology is you, you have a yeah. it's it can be tough to get a job and the job market changes but there's a lot of need for for this kind of trade so our backstop was always kind of you know if i need to pull the escape hatch i'll i'll go you can do it i'll go write some some software that steals people attention steals people's attention again <laughs> You're all now that I've gathered all this information, I know yeah. what I can do to to get into your head a little more. Well, one of the things that I saw that I just I loved and it spoke to me a ton is you were at Notre Dame and mm-hmm. you were noted as saying that you wanted to serve others, which kind mm-hmm. of came out in what you were just talking about. But when when you had that feeling of wanting to serve others, was it directly related to this app at that time or were there other things kind of bouncing around in your head? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, yeah, my, my personal kind of history with regard to Notre Dame and learning to serve others was just kind of, that's so deeply ingrained into kind of the ethos of the school. You okay. go to a place where I've never been surrounded by that many smart people. And I grew, I grew up in the Silicon Valley where a lot of people are really proud of how smart they are. The Midwest, the Midwest kind of temperament with regard to intelligence is a little different. Uh, yeah. People are wicked sharp, but they really, really enjoy loving other people. And it's like mm. infectious. So Notre Dame for me was kind of this experience. I got to serve as an RA in my dorm, which instead of yep. being at every other school in the country, being an RA is like the lamest thing ever. And then of course I tell them I was an RA and like, oh, got it. You're, yeah, that guy, the guy breaking up the <laughs> freshman, drinking <laughs> beer in their dorm or something. No, like actually at Notre Dame, this being an artist, now I'm tooting my own horn, but I wear it as one of the greatest honors of my life. Like the community honored people that were like servant leaders, basically. And mm. so um, I think that that you steep yourself in that tradition for long enough and it kind of retrofits mm-hmm. your mind a little bit to say, okay, I have a responsibility with the opportunities I've been given, with the talents that I have to try to go build something ambitious that can help people and and that's the type of thing that uh, you can be proud in those communities and and uh, otherwise of saying like, yeah, this is what I'm throwing my weight against. I had a computer science professor, you know, and we're not talking like ethics professor or philosophy professor, right. but he basically stood up at the end of my senior year and he's like, hey, I want you all to know there's a ton of money to be made in software and you did not get this degree to chase that. You got it to make sure that people are like taken care of in the software dimension. And so like, you need to go do that. And it was like, it was oh. a commissioning, it felt like. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, that... and that's not the typical um, <laughs> message that's delivered in those programs. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh. I, that's I have crazy. shivers all over my body right now. <laughs> I think, okay, I'm just going to pop in here because I, this was, this is a little gift. Nice. Book Rick Rubin. To me. Oh, have you read this book? I'm like 50 pages in. 
Okay. It's awesome. Because the chapter I read this morning was all on what you just talked about. Wow. It, oh, yeah. But that's, I think that's why all my hair is standing up on end is just hearing it from your mouth, you know, and and Mm. I've just read this. And it's such a beautiful thing. And my next question, which is what you pretty much answered, was that whisper. We talk a lot about the creative whisper and we as realtors get that in our own in our own right we get that mm-hmm. right we're creating how we're communicating with our clients we're creating our websites we're creating social media and it sounds like your whisper was a, a several things it was being at that university it was hearing your professor it was having these things being in the midwest as opposed to being on the west coast so would you say that is true those those were your little whispers to what built clear space or or is there more yeah i think those might be a little bit more of like maybe like the personal ethos that brought me to yeah. a point where i was ready to take that leap but i i think that one of the most interesting aspects of kind of what we've built so far is the the collective whisper my co-founder oliver graduated computer science at georgetown Went and worked at Amazon as a software engineer for a number of years on Alexa. Incredibly, incredibly bright. He's our CTO. And um, he had recently been CTO of another company. And coming out of that transition, that really deep work place, we're about the same age. He had found himself focusing on building tools to protect his attention because it kind of seemed to be that there was like this bubbling up point in both of our collective consciousness. We didn't even know each other at the time. We actually met in the process on... Y Combinator's co-founder matching platform. But as we crossed paths and he had seen a little bit of the iPhone app and shared some of the projects he was working on, it was like, wait a minute, you're thinking about this, I'm thinking about this. There's a couple hundred of these users that are thinking about this. Maybe this is kind of a cultural phenomenon that's reached a threshing point. And we we do think that the pandemic and remote work, breaking down some of the traditional structures we have for accountability around technology was really this explosion event that grew all of our awareness about what's going on and what we need to do about it. So for for me, that was like maybe the third whisper. A fun little anecdote on that too is we've actually had these two great product science advisors come aboard the ClearSpace team, PhDs in neuroscience from USC, really brilliant people. They were building almost an identical app six years ago. Wow. They're deeply theoretical, right? So they, they've, we, we see this trend all the time, right? The scientists, the researchers are kind of out ahead of the curve on what's going on. And they released a, a really cool product. It didn't quite have the technological integration that opportunities that we have today, which has a lot to do with more and more people being concerned about this. So we've kind of gotten to see that, that whisper kind of grow into, you know, maybe some utterance, some slightly louder utterances and even this time space between when they started working on an app like this and to where we are, we came to it naturally. They came to it kind of foreseeing what was going to happen. And we've been able to join forces a little bit and be like, okay, there's, there's this collective awakening to the problems caused by our devices and we feel ready to articulate the solutions. Is that's kind of how I think about it? Yeah. Do you do you get a sense that it's kind of having a moment where there this uh, this awareness is starting to bubble up, and that people are like, "Hey, we need to do something about that." Are you seeing that kind of in your growth curve? Totally. Uh, yeah, across mm-hmm. the board. The first close investigation I started doing into this space was about three years ago now. And if you wanted to use kind of even just like 
the simplest measures of increased awareness, like Google search volume on relevant keyword phrases, all yeah. you see is curves that are up and to the right. Um, mm. And you can, you can credit that to, like I said, kind of pandemic, remote work, accelerated a lot of that. But then you also have the generational kind of impact of, okay, what do we see in the first decade of these devices? What do we see in the de- second decade? And, and particularly, I think there's something really interesting. I, I myself am, you know, a late millennial, I think probably not quite a Gen Z, but like right on that threshing point, I went to school with mm-hmm. Gen Zs. We grew up going to bed, sneaking our phones. We know all the kind of little tricks. So there's a heightened awareness around what kids are going to do in the next generation and a heightened <laughs> awareness about like, the impact has had on us. We know that like I had a, I had social media, you know, super, super early. I was the youngest of four kids. So I, all the older, you know, I got to like watch all the movies early, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And like, right. I haven't really lived a formative period in my life without these devices. And I, I can see the negative impact that has on my life. Yeah. You're a digital you know, native. Yeah, Digital native. Before yeah. I ask the next question, I'm going to share this story really quickly. So my yeah. oldest daughter is 27. And she um, she was also took the phone to bed. And then yeah. my husband and I started realizing she was on the phone at 1, 2, 3 a.m. Because we could see it. How did you, how so, did you, yeah, how did you, how did you find out? Well, when I would log on, I could see activity at that time. <laughs> yeah. So we started this rule. And the rule was, we're, you know, the phone at nine o'clock comes to me. And what I didn't realize was the backlash she was going to get at school because she wasn't mm. responding and her friends were angry at her. So I kept the phone. And when mm. the kids would text, I'd say, hey, I have Jordy's phone. I'll have Jordy's <laughs> phone no matter what from nine o'clock on <laughs> until way. she moves out of this house. And then, okay, so so the backlash stopped. And then these kids as adults, you know, came to her wedding and come over to our house and they're here and they're like, oh, they call me Mama J. Hey, Mama J, I just want you to know we wish our parents would have taken our phones. Wow. Oh, wow. Boom. Yeah. Huge. Wow. Huge yep. thing. They just, they just needed, they, they need that wall of protection. Absolutely. Right? No, 100%. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I, some of the most compelling voices about regulating personal behaviors in this are coming from kids, digital natives who are keenly aware of the negative impact. It's you, you almost want the structure, you, you desire that imposed structure because you know that like willpower alone or the social factors at play are too powerful to pull you in. It's like, I. I'd love to just have my phone break for a few days. It'd be so fun. Um, yes. Yeah, and, and that's what you—that's the—that's the gift that you're giving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that's so interesting because you know I—I pride myself on having a lot of willpower, but like I fell I fell down to the Muppets last night. So, right. So my question on this is, you know, phone addiction—is it a real yeah. thing? Let's talk about that. That's that's a that's a hundred million dollar question right now. Um, I think that there's kind of two, we think about this in two different ways. The, the DSM, you know, has not officially, di- you know. DSM, yeah. time out. So what is DSM? <laughs> you know, I'm actually a newcomer to the health space. Let me see what DSM actually stands for. Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. So, Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, right, it's, gotcha. it's the health code. It's, it's for yep. me, you know, for my engineer brain, it, it maps to the, 
the the code that people have agreed on can you can diagnose disease based on right. in the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. So, totally understand now. Yeah. So they have not end a paper on phone addiction as a diagnosable disease. So that's a good starting point. We can go, okay, is it technically a disease? Um, not yet. A call out there is that video game addiction was released in the most recent iteration. That's the first digital-based addiction that made it into the DSM. So you can probably see hints at what it would take to get phone addiction in there. I think phone addiction is a really helpful term for us to understand the forces at play in our relationship with the devices. Um, I don't think that it's one that in culture people are shying away from. I think that's what a lot of our users, that's what they say to name the relationship they have with their devices. And part of our job is to find the most accessible language to to bridge the gap between people's desire to change and their ability to change. So phone addiction, is it a, is it a diagnosable disease? No. Is it a is it language that many, many, many people are using to describe their relationship with their phone and perhaps accurately or helpfully? I think so, yeah. And maybe that's a good launching point for, isn't it true that dopamine's created by these devices? And so maybe if it's, you know, not clearly an addiction that you're getting a hit from that. Maybe you can talk a little bit about about what's occurring. Yeah. By design. I mean, you were you've designed these apps, and now you're on the other side preventing this from happening. Uh, walk us through that. Totally. I mean, I always I always try to preface by my I'm, I'm an engine I'm an engineer that you know talks to people and builds solutions more so than I, I've been around enough people that know the science really well to make me super aware of how. I don't know the science to that to that extent, but the um, yeah, dopamine is this is this chemical in your brain that has a super powerful impact on drawing you into like behavior and habit loops. And it's worth mentioning that this is at play when you're doing really healthy things, like when you mm-hmm. get excited to go working out or um, you get really productive workflow state. Like some of that joy and elation that you feel is downstream of dopamine. So it's not all bad, but uh, you can also, your brain can kind of be hacked a little bit, um, especially with regard to social media. Uh, Variable reward is a big one. Going through your TikTok feed and, you know, every 10th video is kind of interesting. And then a couple of them are kind of lame. That's actually a more powerful force for your brain to get drawn into and keep scrolling because you're kind of hunting and ga- you know people like to draw analogies to hunting and gathering or something. You're kind of looking yeah. for the next thing, and we yeah. love that thrill. Now, some of our advisors have actually written books on digital behavior design and and baked into them very honorably primitives that help us understand that these these powers are supposed to be used for good. You know, we can help people get on good dieting regimens and workouts and all, all different types of health, or mental health journeys, meditation. The the thing that it has been used to do is to get us just scrolling more. Um, and so variable reward, social kind of impetus, lots of different aspects that roll up ultimately to this idea that you are getting this peak in joy and um kind of this feeling of sensation when you're chasing that high which is which is why we put a little blocker in between it we there's some really compelling early studies that demonstrate that just even a slight buffer between you and that dopamine allows your brain passively to discount the that reward so your brain's anticipating that dopamine reward when you go to open instagram it's like is there a notification that's that variable reward is there isn't there oh there is what is it you know you're, you're searching 
and right. you're looking for social validation or whatever the prize is at the end. And by us putting just a 15 second breathing buffer there, your the background cycle of your brain is cognizant that it's going to take longer for them to get there than it would have otherwise. And that yeah. diminishes the value that your brain in anticipation places on the dopamine that it could receive. That's crazy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our show. We get a lot of questions about why we do this, and I want to say that we love it. We sharpen our skills, we get to have fun, and we get to interact with all of you. So thank you for that. Thanks so much. And we do have one favor to ask. If you know anyone that's thinking about buying or selling in the U.S. or Canada, let us know. We have an amazing network of vetted agents that are so good at what they do. And what better gift can you give that person than somebody that's best of breed? Enjoy the rest of the show. Do you want to walk us through a little bit about the app so that we can understand it? Because you're you're giving us a little bit of information. And, sure. and then in that, I would really like to talk about how as realtors, we can mm-hmm. utilize the app. Because as just like what you're saying, you know, we live in this crate. We walk around with our phones as our full communication space for receiving new business. So mm-hmm. if we are not in totally. tune with that, we can lose a lead. We can lose a client, which is gross to say, but it's totally true. And it's happened to both Ed and I yes. if we don't respond in 30 seconds. So let's start with the app. And then I want to see how it can work for Ed and I in in the real estate world. I don't want to lose the... Uh two ideas that came to my head there. I think both... Great. Talk about them. Agents as professionals, I think, is really interesting. And I also want to ask you guys a little bit about some of your policies around personal assistance and having layers of intentionality for yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that there's just like a really, really cool missional aspect to real estate agents being this touch point. And uh, like part of your guys' service is helping people establish this home, right? And the home is such an important part to family Mm -hmm. and life and success and wealth building, all these things. Yes. And like, I think there's this really cool intersection point about what setting up a healthy home, like you made this huge investment in a place that you could cultivate a family and a life and you're letting like the outside world just like Mm -hmm. dive bomb into it if you're not Mm -hmm. putting the right protocols in your home. And I think, I think there could be some fun things there, Yeah. but maybe, maybe should we get the app walked through out of the way or should I just run with it? No, run with it. Run. I love it. Okay. So I'm I'm curious for the both of you, one of the really early manifestations that Oliver and I talked about as evolutions of the clear space product was thinking about what the most wealthy and affluent you know, pseudo kings of yesteryear could command around their attention. These are people that, you know, the, the CEOs of top uh, top corporations in the early, early, you know, 21st century, they have personal assistants, right? And it, it sounds like maybe both of you have, have people in, in personal assistance has become actually like more accessible or in our business world where we have more notifications, maybe more necessary. But you think about the demands on any individual person's attention and like, Really, what we all need is somebody that's filtering the communications in and out for us. And um, yeah, I'm curious. It sounds like you guys have some protocols around that, but around how you kind of filter those. How, um, I guess, how has that journey been for you when you have missed those calls? And what are the adjustments that you made there? I'm curious. 
Yeah. Do you want me to go Jeffy, first? You, you want to go? Yeah, okay. you go, Jeffy, because you've so got a good story on that. We did an entire uh, podcast on giving referrals because, and this is, okay, so here's the perfect thing. I, for years, have my phone on silent. It doesn't, yeah. I can't stand a buzz. I don't like the ring. I I couldn't even choose a ringtone if I wanted to. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So this lead came in, a referral came in, and it was actually from a Buffini agent. We're part of a network of, of agents who, who pride themselves on doing business at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that 95% of us do at that level. Yep. Yep. Well, this referral came in, and I kid you not, it was less than 20 minutes because it was my t- I had ended a project and I was checking my phone to see what was going on. And I responded and the agent said, oh, I already gave it away. You didn't get back to me fast enough. 20 minutes. And honestly, I've had them in less. I've had it happen in 10 minutes. I had a a listing come through and I called her within 10 minutes. She said, oh, honey, don't worry. I already found somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. That's 10 minutes. That's that's significant (laughs) dollar volume flowing out. It's like a million dollar listing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had to come to grips and, and Ed and I mm-hmm. talked this through quite a few, quite a bit. Mm. We talked this through and you just have to, if that person literally will not wait for you for 10 minutes, then that's right. not a true referral. It's just kind of a lead being thrown out at you. And then the second layer to that, to answer your question is that uh, my right arm, I wish there was a new name for assistant because Raquel is so much more Mm-hmm. than an assistant. She just is incredible. She will read all of my texts, all of my emails, and she will call me on my personal phone, which will ring because she's in my favorites, and mm-hmm. say, "You ha- this, is, this has come in for you. That's like, you know, twice a week. That's not a big deal, but I don't have to spend all those hours doing that. So if you could find a way <laughs> to pick up keywords that come through in a text or an email... Yeah. That will call me and tell me that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and likewise on that with my assistant Beth, who's absolutely fabulous. Um, you know, reads all the email, processes all that, and mm-hmm. we have what we call Jeff and I both have our burner phones, our personal mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. so that when we go on vacation, the business phone stays behind, totally. and the personal assistant can can route things when it comes up. But it's not easy, and you still you still miss opportunities. But yeah. it's kind of that, and maybe to pose a question back to you: How do you balance being readily available versus doing deep work and serving your clients? Totally. Well, this I want I want to draw a comparison with another kind of target demographic of people that we see have this exact problem, which is content professional content creators. Okay. So we actually inside of our user base, there's actually like a disproportionately high number of people that have rather large followings on social media such that it can be their career. Yeah. And in talking to them, we've heard this exact same phenomenon. We've come to kind of call it, we picked this up from a couple of the different creators, like their their kale phone and their cocaine phone is kind of how they, <laughs> they describe it. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> and <laughs> this exact thing that you're talking about, the social validation is the typical carrot that we see everywhere in society. But when... When these phones become both mission-critical tools and weapons-grade distraction devices, because in your profession, it's both those things and they just, they're just they bleeding next to each other, right? 
that's when the the reward is actually also like survival to a certain extent, right? It's it's earning a living, it's doing these sure. things. So everyone can relate that it, it you feel good and validated when you get a like, but put a put a couple, you know, put a million dollar <laughs> listing on the other end of that that yeah. message is open. Yeah. And it gets really wild really quick. And as we move towards more people building their professions in the digital realm or having digital communications, that becomes really, really costly. And um, I think that exactly what you're talking about, being able to kind of flag what type of communications are Mm -hmm. necessary or important or expedient, um, I think that's actually a missing piece of our current technological stack. We we on a on a thirty thousand foot view, we talk about building the missing intentionality layer for technology, mm-hmm. and a first part of that is discerning people's intention and their goals. And we're we're working a lot on that with the relationship between impulse opens and doom scrolling. But we definitely are looking to build and generalize that into the the realms of communications and and all different aspects there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you want a Pavlov dog. Reaction: You just put a million dollar listing on the end of that buzz, and you're going to you know, like, yeah. you just salivate. You don't know what's coming. You're like, but wait. I, I, I think that's a great transition point, and this might actually even open up to a little bit more on the app. Is let's say you're Steve Jobs, and it's the beginning of the whole iPhone revolution. If you could make three changes to people's phone setups, what would they be? Okay, so I'm Steve Jobs, but I have the same mission as I do right now, right? I'm yeah, not. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Like you have a chance if you could. If so, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, good question. Good could, response there. <laughs> yeah. If if you could change, if you could, if you had the ability to change three things in people's phone setups today, what would they be to promote to promote digital wellness? Yeah. So. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a tricky. I'm trying to I'm trying to work through through my own brain on if I were to remove the incentives associated with like Apple. I think does a pretty good job at providing some tools, but at the end of the day, they're not selling attention protection. They're selling a, a right. utility and a tool. And I don't think they're yeah. the worst of culprits of needing to demand your attention. But the things that I would do is it's actually not dissimilar from what we do. Right. Um, So I think if we're starting at the beginning, the number one thing would very much be some type of exercise that helps people distinguish and categorize the nature of the different apps on the phone. So that's that's actually probably number one. I think that if we're building an iPhone and right next to sales of iPhones and utility of it, this it's just as important for us as a business. I'm, you know, we're Apple computer in the early 2000s, and we're like, it's just as important to us that no one gets addicted to these things. Mm-hmm. I think you have to start with the intentionality layer because there's not a one size fits all answer to this. What is valuable to some people is a waste of time to others. And a lot of those tensions actually fit within the same apps often. Twitter for me has been a place where we found investors. It's been a place where we found huge game-changing partners. And it's also a place where I will read about NCAA football for a couple hours on a Saturday sometimes. You know, like there's... <laughs> Not there so is, much this year. 
Yeah. <laughs> with Notre Dame. <laughs> but go ahead. Just do, that's, that's real deep scrolling right there. Actually. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, oh, the, uh, Sorry, I took you off your game there. Sorry. Yeah, no, the, the, the number one thing I'd say is that, and we're, we're really trying to crack this, is getting people to understand the that apps are more, um, there's more dimensions to your relationship to even a specific app and then also your phone at large than what meets the eye. Um, the analogy we draw often here is on like nutrition in the United States over the last 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. introduction of fast food, um, da- you know, processed food, and then like downstream awareness around mi- micro and macronutrients around calories and what that means, even legislation that forces fast food restaurants like McDonald's to put calories on the menu. Like there's this whole awareness piece that I think is the number one, number one thing. That's my feature one. I'll blitz the other ones. I put an option for an intentionality buffer. They have Apple screen time. So they, they kind of have done this. Um, yeah. I'd say we want to like what we've done and we've extended their functionality to allow for more well-being based exercises that actually have a psychological element to allowing you to push back. And then the third thing is accountability uh, and community. The the ability to integrate this really, really cleanly and as a priority with the systems of accountability set up in your life. If your child, it's your parents, maybe your school as you grow up, that's a, a spouse, significant other, friends, coworkers. And that should be a top priority. I think there's been a lot of coverage about how screen time has kind of less than fulfilled some of the obligations that people feel they have around that. And I don't think that happens if it's a primitive. I, I think there's there's some goodwill efforts that have been made, but they're not um, they're not as polished or effective as they would need to be in order to meet that goal. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. So after this interview, I'm I'm going to download the app. Yeah. Same. Okay. So what do you want me to know when I'm telling somebody else about the app? Like teach me the elevator pitch or tell me tell What's me something do? that I can share so that I can get someone else to download the app, i.e. Yeah. Cody. Yes. <laughs> My husband. <laughs> Oh, this is good. I would have a good. Well, I I think the the kind of tricky slip out of the like run away from the answer is that we have a product that people shout about from the rooftops, which is crazy encouraging to us. Mm-hmm. I find that users who have derived benefit from it describe it to their friends and family and people in lives better than I ever could. I okay. I would love to hear Jeffy's description of ClearSpace. We actually okay. ask the users that we pull, our number one question mm-hmm. is, how do you describe this to your friends? And they give us Ooh. the best articulations of ClearSpace. I mean, one of them is like, we've just started using it. Makes your phone less addicting, period, full stop. None of this, everything else, everything else we're doing is really cool. But like at the end of the day, what have you done for me lately? Job to be done is the phone's addicting, make it less addicting. And that's what we do. Uh. So, uh, so I'm I'm going to put a finer point on it then. Okay. How so? How could Clear Space have kept me last night from doing the Muppet deep dive and wasting an hour of my life and, and <laughs> yeah. kind of messing my sleep up? Aww, last night. Muppets As, wasted. Well, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But my point is, is, is here's a guy. I'm like, I'm actively trying to yeah. put these, you know, reduce mm-hmm. my screen time and distraction, and I got sucked in. So how yep. could Clear Space have helped me in that? 
Right. So our mobile app starts your journey with asking you what those intentions are. So you've already done that that work yourself. You've thought through why you want to use your phone less and what that's going to mean for you. You've Then we walk you through an exercise identifying the key apps that cause you disruption and mm-hmm. overuse of your phone. With each of those apps, you assign a budget. We just ask you a simple question. Approximately how many times a day do you feel like, just your gut reaction, do you feel like you should be on this app? And we can adjust that later on, but let's start by drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, you know what? I think I'm at my best when I open Twitter X three times a day. Three times a day for a budget between one to 15 minutes. We're not even getting super granular about the amount of time that we want to limit on the specific app yet. We're just thinking about the action to open it and engage in an intentional session. Once we have that infrastructure set up, every time you go to open one of the apps that you've identified, ClearSpace sits in front of the app. You do not have access to it until you go through our 15-second intentionality exercise, which will take you through a deep breath. It's going to give you a quote that's hopefully inspirational or reminds you a little bit about the goals that you set up and your intentions. And then in the Jeffy's last page, like we're going to hit you. Jeffy's like shaking all over the camera. <laughs> 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 on the last page, we're going to hit you with that goal that you set up. You said, wait, me yesterday on my morning coffee, I set up my goals for the week, wanted to be on this app no more than three times. It's 10 a.m. and I'm already at three sessions. Am I okay? What's going on here? You check your goals. Then at the end of it, you set your session timer. So you say, I have an intent for this session. Maybe that's entertainment. Maybe that's utility. You can approximate how much time that's going to take you to get done. You click five minutes. And in five minutes, we're pulling you out. You cannot have access to it anymore. If In order to regain access, you'd have to go back through the breathing exercise. And then here's the kicker. If you're over your budget, we're going to give you the opportunity to have an automated text sent to your spouse or your business partner or oh. anyone in the world. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's opt-in. It's completely opt-in. But if you really want to put yourself to the test. Oh, oh I, that's so great. Talk about accountability partner. Oh, that is so man. great. I cannot wait. I'm sending this oh. to all three of the kids. I'm sending this to Cody. I'm sending this to all my friends. Like, I cannot wait. Okay. Oh, Cody. Cody, sorry, I, man. Cody's going to be like, oh, Jeffy, God, stop. Here's the, here's the, let me give you one, one more like fun add-on okay. because you're talking about bringing okay. your community into it. And this is one of the things we've we identified is that like, this is actually a fun race to run with other people. Okay. We, we just released our step to scroll challenge. Okay. So Ooh. you can invite on a three-day little mini sprint, you can invite friends and family to come with you and you all only get to scroll on apps for as many minutes as 100 steps that you've walked. So every 100 steps in your day earns you one minute of scrolling, okay? That's your access point. <laughs> but at the end of the week, it's who's accumulated the most steps without taking them out of their bank account and spending them on scrolling. Okay. This is amazing. Okay. Do I need to give as much credit to Oliver as I'm about to give to you? Yes. More. (laughs) Okay. Oliver. Oliver. Royce. Wow. This is amazing. Okay. We got to tie this up with a bow. So I just would love, actually, Ed and I would love your 
favorite feedback story? And we've heard one and and that was about the couple, but is there is there another one, your favorite, the one that kind of gave you chills and made you go, oh my God, I'm walking the right path? Gosh, there there are a lot. First one that pops in. So the first one that pops in is actually, it's a very interesting, I think it is um, maybe even less of a success story and more of a get back to work, let's go, let's go build the thing that people need. Um, it's, it's a call that Oliver and I were both on. It was back at the end of Y Combinator and we, we had just released a brand new version of the app. So we had kind of done a whole refactor and a lot of the foundations that you see that make the process a lot smoother to get set up on. And it was about three months in and we get a user call that where our users are reporting a really weird bug and we're going, wait a minute, this doesn't even sound like our app. Are they using the wrong app? And we got on it. We said, hey, we have no idea what's going on. We want to help you out. We'd be happy to hop on a call. So we hop on a Zoom call with this user. And um, there's a woman, a mother, who had three kids running around in the background. <laughs> and she couldn't have been, she couldn't have been, uh, she was actually probably my age. So a, a younger mom, three kids running around, living in the middle. I, I, I think she was in Ohio or Iowa. And She's she's showing a version of the app that is like super outdated. I don't know how she had that outdated of the app. Just that, she didn't have automatic <laughs> updates on or something like that. Yeah. But she showed us. She's like, "Hey, the continue button is breaking when I try to. I can't get it into any of my apps." She had ClearSpace set up on every single app on her phone. For context, our typical user sets ClearSpace up on like two to four apps on their phone. Okay, you have a couple oh ones gosh. that are addicting and necessary. <laughs> she said. I decided that I wanted to be present to my kids in this stage and that I didn't have the willpower to make that decision on my own. But what we found out is when we had shipped this new update, the old version had had a dependency conflict and the continue button. So the button that allows you to access the apps was broken for her. So she had access to none of the apps on her phone. And we were going, okay, this is a call to better testing, better engineering. And we were super grateful for our taking time. We got it fixed and shipped mm. in two hours. But mm-hmm. the idea that this was a solution that we had built for a really precise use case and people are going, I need this everywhere. And for such a righteous kind of personal mission in their lives, right. that one sticks out to us. We go, okay, there are people boots on the ground doing the most important things mm-hmm. like raising kids and we are arming them with the ability to do that better. Let's come in fired up and let's 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 work really hard to make sure it's a, it's the appropriate solution. Okay. I've never had more shivers during <laughs> one of our podcasts ever. I literally I feel like my body is on full like tune in alert. This has been such a gift to have you on our podcast today. We're definitely going to do a link to the app in our show notes. We'll do a link to anything that you want people to see. So please forward that to us. Royce, you are amazing. I can't wait to meet Oliver. So maybe that'll happen one day. (laughs) We can't wait. This has just been fantastic. It's, uh, It's amazing that we were kind of on this journey and then you popped up. And so we're glad to be able to learn more tools. I'll be downloading it. And to both of you, when you get enough credits, Swedish Chef Rapper's Delight. <laughs> Check it out. That's 
so good. Well, thank thank you both so much. This, this conversation has yeah. me absolutely fired up on a Wednesday morning. Yes. And um, yeah, I really, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show and gained insight into the behind the scenes world of real estate and control of your cell phone. <laughs> Please leave us your feedback. We also welcome any ideas you would like to discuss on future shows. And don't forget to like and share. Thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the show. Gained insight into having a thriving business and living a balanced life. We also welcome any ideas you would like us to discuss in future shows. Don't forget to like and share. We'll see you next week.